0: So while, while we get going here, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. And I'm excited about it. See, when you come to know the Lord, so many people believe or they think that you have to like instantly the next day sell everything, all your everything, and then move to a foreign country to serve God, right? I, I remember thinking that growing up. That I was like, you know, when, when they would say, who's called the ministry? and I would never go me because they meant that I was going to go to Africa or China or something like that to go do missions. Oh, hey, congratulations, Lee family, yeah. on your new grandbaby. I got the green light to, to say that this morning. <laughs> Andrea gave birth last night at 11 o'clock PM to a seven pound, 15 ounce Finnegan something Joel Palm, so we're so happy about that. So whenever you see little Finn, you can just give him a high five. He's super cute. And uh, so anyway, um, you know, so so, rabbit trail. A lot of people think that they have to do that. You see, the responsibilities of a believer so many times can scare people away from being a Christian, that they choose not to follow God because it's easier to live the way that they want to. Let me explain what I just meant by that. When it comes down to serving God, a lot of people don't want to because they think they think that I can never measure up to the expectation that they feel that God has for their life. And so in return, what they do, they say, it's gonna be easier for me not to give my life and serve Jesus, that I'll just go ahead and do whatever I wanna do, however I wanna do it, and then therefore, I'll live my life the way I wanna do it. And I want to encourage you in something that, if you're that way this morning, and you haven't given everything over to Jesus, it may be easier now for you, okay? But the consequences of not giving your life to Jesus outweigh any submission to the Lord that you can do today. Anything. See, when we give our life to Jesus, let me encourage you with this. You're giving your whole life to him, amen? Not just, you know, there used to be, well, just pray just Jesus into your heart. Lord, just come into my heart, right? And then, then the rest of your life is like not connected. I want you to know that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're giving everything that you have. Everything that you are your well-being, your mind, your soul, your emotions, your, 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 your resources, your gifts, your talents. Everything that makes up who you are, your DNA, your family, everything that you are now is in the possession of Jesus Christ. Your king and your lords, a lot of them know, us, know him as friend, but not very many of us want to know him as king and as lord. He's the lord of your life. Come on, somebody. He's the lord of your life. However, with that said, God doesn't expect you to instantly be perfect. Praise God. Right? To never not make any mistakes. To know the whole Bible as soon as you get saved. That's such an idea. And people's like, I, you know, I, I can never measure. I got to know the Bible in and out. <laughs> so therefore, I'm not going to serve God because I got to know the Bible in and out. Look, I, sorry to let you down, but your pastor doesn't know the Bible in and out because the moment you think you arrive, the moment, that's the moment you kind of remember that you really don't know what the heck you're doing. Right? We have these expectations that we think God expects of us to dress right all the time, to always make perfect decisions and make all the right decisions. And that lends to people being scared away. And a lot of people think that these are the things that God expects of me, So they choose not to serve God. But let me just encourage you this morning that he loves you because of you. Come on, somebody. He loves you because of you. He loves you because of you. (laughs) Your imperfections, your insecurities, the fear that you might have in your heart, the things that you might be going through right now, the bad decision that you made yesterday, he still loves you because of you. See, when my boys were born, both of them, I got a picture sent to me last night, late last night, of, of what I used to do with Caleb when he was a baby. I used to hold him like this with his legs out, and he would just curve his back like this, and he'd fly like Superman, right? Now, all you right parents, don't tell me that's the wrong thing to do. He was in pure happiness, okay? It might be why he has back problems now, but it's okay. <laughs> right? But it's so great, when when both of my boys were born, you know what, they didn't have to try to impress me when they were born. They didn't have to try to to live up to a standard that I might have put on them. They didn't have to try to do that, why? Because I love them just because they're mine. They didn't have to try. And unfortunately with God, what we do is we feel like we have to try, 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 try in order to get God's love and God's approval. And that's what it's like with a relationship with God, that we have to do all these things, and we feel like we have to do all these things in order for God to love us, in order for God to approve of us, okay? I want you to know, just like my son, he loves you just like you're a baby. You don't have to try to impress God. Now, with that said, it doesn't negate us from growing and maturing in the Lord. Amen? Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, give a little context to what I'm saying. He says, when they came to the crowd, this is Jesus, when they came to a crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, because he has seizures and suffers terribly. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Interesting that they use that phraseology there of curing him. That means to me that there was examples of Jesus curing people with demonic activity in their lives. And Jesus, verse 17, and Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Thank you, Jesus, for going light on us. (laughs) How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. The demon, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your meager faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Isn't that awesome? Just faith as a mustard seed. But you know, some of us try to, you know, we try to work towards that faith. We try to, uh, faith as a mustard seed. You know, the size of a mustard seed is one to two milliliters in diameter. However, it grows in time to be between six and 20 feet tall with a 20 to 30 foot spread, especially in the ideal conditions. See, the power... A faith is not in the seed, it's in the growth of the seed. It's in the growth of the seed. Therefore, God is telling us, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and this, this idea, this revelation isn't about the starting faith, it's about the growing faith. It's about simply taking your next step into what God is calling you to do, where God is leading you without fear, without, without thinking that you have to do this or that to give up everything and go to, 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 to Africa to be some missionary. Now, if God's calling you to do that, then you should do that. That is your next step. But what is the next step that God is asking you to come into? What's the next thing? Not the big thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. We have to exercise our faith in the realm of just taking the next step that he has for us. See, even though the disciples had God-given authority to cast out demons, their authority didn't work unless they exercised their faith. They exercised the faith. This is proof that God's will doesn't always automatically come to pass in our lives. Amen? It's proof. We must allow God to grow as we take steps towards him or else we may never experience the the promises that God has for us. See, sometimes God doesn't want to just drop it right in your lap. No, what he wants you to do is step into the promise that he has for you. No matter how painful that might be, no matter how difficult that might be, that means you're going to be exercising your faith you're gonna be moving into this thing. You may, you may not quite understand why this is going on and why this is happening, what's going on. You may not quite understand what, why, this, why this situation is taking place, but it doesn't matter if we understand it or not. All we have to know is who's with us and if we're stepping and we can continue to move in him, just taking the next step. You see, this verse up above talks more about the growth of the seed than it does the beginning of the seed. Simply by taking your next step into how he's leading, what he's doing, and if we can learn to stop resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Everything that feels pressured in your life isn't always bad. Hear what I'm saying. See, we, we don't want to serve a God like that. God, I want it just to be roses, and I want it to be so good all the time. I want you to know that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. We want to avoid the valleys. We want to avoid the things that make us uncomfortable. And I'm here to tell you right now that when you walk through those things, you're taking your next step to the promise that God has for you. Absolutely, there's no depression that can stand up to the name of Jesus. Absolutely, there's no grief that can stand up to the name of Jesus. But let me just tell you, let me encourage you today that sometimes walking through that stuff and letting the faith of the mustard seed begin to grow in your life is the best thing we can do with our Christian walk with God. It's the best thing we can do. So you'll begin to see your faith grow in ways that will be full of life, full of adventure, full of love and effectiveness when we just simply take the next step. I'd vouch to say here this morning that there's people here that have been hitting the wall every single time because you're resistant to what's on the other side of that wall. I want you to know that if you just take the step, God, then will begin to bless you, begin to heal your heart, and begin to move you from point A to point B. He'll do it. He's always faithful, right? I love that song. That's why we sang it today. Faithful to the end. Every time I sing that song, I cry every single time. Why? Because I remember the times where I thought that he left me. I remember the times when I thought that he wasn't with me. I remember the times when I was laid up in the hospital bed with the kidney transplant asking myself, God, are you even real? I remember the times when that was going on. And all I can tell you here today is that God is faithful to the end. He's faithful to the end. Let that be a dagger to your heart. Yeah, we worship hard and I preach hard. Sorry. I don't know about you, but church, it's time for us to start growing. Amen. It's time for you and me to begin the next step journey in our lives and quit circling around the mountain, hoping and wishing for a promised land when God said it's time to go to the promised land, will you step there? See, for far too long, the church has been overstimulated and underdeveloped. Say it again, Pastor, thanks, I, I will. The church has been overstimulated and underdeveloped. For far too long, we've grown accustomed into being served. We've grown used to getting what we want And what we need from the church, that we've forgotten how to feed ourselves. We've forgotten how to feed ourselves. And that's where we're going to hone in for the next few minutes right here. I promise you, I won't be long. I hope I'm not lying. It's this idea of servant leadership. This mentality we've developed in our culture, this mentality of a serve me attitude rather than how can I serve you attitude. Is disease our culture, amen? We become so entitled. And that entitlement is leaked over to the church, within the seats of our church. How can you serve me? What can you do for me? How can you make me happy? Everybody knows, every powerful person in this room knows that powerful people means happiness is an inside job. How can you make me happy church? How can you make me happy pastor? How can you make me happy with this? Gosh, if you guys wouldn't run around with the banner, that'd be so much better for my worship time. Listen, get over yourself and begin to worship Jesus for who he is. Now, no, no, look look look. I'm not here to condemn anybody for this. I understand it's stimulating. It's oh, there's so much going on. Right? I get it. But what I'm saying is this, let's get our eyes off of us and onto him. Let's get our eyes off of us and onto Jesus, the maker of my heart and my soul, the one who has kept me, the one who will remain faithful to the very end, that one, Jesus himself, the one who loves you despite what you do. Last couple weeks ago, I hurt my toe. Oh. I actually tore a ligament in my toe. Oh, yeah, man. There. And uh, I started hitting the boxing bag at the gym. There's somebody in here that saw me doing that. They probably looked at me and What are you doing? You did, you did Matt. I know you did. <laughs> what are you doing? And so I'm over there smacking that thing. And I felt a little, oh, my toe. I went, Ooh, Jesus is alive. Oh, man. And uh, so I kept on with the workout, kept doing what I was doing. I got home, and it felt like, like you ever had like a, like it felt like just a rock in your shoe, right? Well, right on my second toe, it felt like there's just a big bundle, just a rock, like my sock was always just bundled up right there. And I couldn't walk on it. It hurt so bad. I had so much stuff going on. I'm not asking for sympathy or nothing like that, but a little bit. And, and I was like, I was like, man, this, this, just, this is really painful. It really hurts. And then, of course, my wife understands my whining by now. She's like, oh, brother, you know, and, and, and all these kinds of things. So I went to the doctor, and they diagnosed the symptom that I had. See, the symptom was the rock that was in the bottom of my... I couldn't walk. It was painful when I walked. They diagnosed the symptom that I had as a little thing. Everyone gets it from time to time called capsulitis, which is a torn ligament in your toe, which is that separates it, right? And all the fibers got to come back together again and all that. That bag that I was hitting knew what it had coming. Mm. Right? What happens a lot of the times is that In the church in our world today, we see a lot of symptoms, don't we? We see a lot of symptoms. We can feel the symptoms. And what we do is we talk about those symptoms. Oh, man, it hurts so bad. Oh, man, this, oh my gosh, fill in the blank. See, the symptoms kind of sound like this You know, Pastor, we need to care for people more. Symptom in the church. You know, Pastor, if you would only talk about this certain subject a little bit more, then I think we would, we would be okay. Symptom in the church. We have all these symptoms that we wanna point out, that we wanna recognize. A symptom might sound like this. You know, pastor, if we can feed more people in the community, that'd be so great. That'd be so awesome. I just think the church needs to learn how to give more back to the community. Symptom. All the are is a bunch of symptoms or suggestions, if you will. Pastor, we need to do this. Pastor, we need to do that. Pastor, you know what we need to do? We need to win more people for Jesus. <laughs> kind of sounds like when my son was playing football, I'd go, run faster. <laughs> right? Right? We have a lot of symptoms that we all want to talk about, but the real question to this when it comes to church culture, when it comes to servant leadership within a body, what are you willing to do to do what you want others to do? What are you willing to do? Well, you so say we need to do this. <laughs> It's a disease in our church across America where we become so self-centered, so entitled that we want everyone else to do what we think everyone else should do. And if you don't do this, then I'm gonna go find somewhere else that does do this. Not you guys, because you're awesome. Let me preface this by saying this. I am by no way talking about anybody or any circumstance or anything. You guys understand that? Because the moment I start saying this kind of stuff, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart, and you go, yeah, I knew Pastor was talking to me. I knew he was talking about me. I want you to know, I love you with all of my heart, but when it comes to this, you're not quite that important. The Holy Spirit is doing the work in your heart right now, and if you feel a little, it's because he's laying it on your heart. You got to know that. Every week I get done preaching, and people are like, "Oh, pastor, I, you know that really spoke." Did you? Did my wife tell you what I was going through? <laughs> Every without without fail, pastor, that was really good, man. Uh, uh, did you? Were you watching me this week? No. God is faithful to the end. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need to hear it. The question we need to ask again is, what are we willing to sacrifice for the needs and the symptoms that you feel and I feel that we recognize in the church? Miracles happen, listen to me, miracles happen when the people of God simply take the next step and take risks when it comes to what they see needs to happen in the church. You'll never see a miracle happen by somebody just sitting in a seat. It always happens when you begin to co-labor and co-partner with God to actually do the work that he's asked you to do. This church has symptoms. Amen? You better say it nice and loud. I mean, as perfect as we are, right? We still got issues. We got things that go on. But instead of complaining about them, Let's be a people who do something about them. Let me tell you, how you do something about them is not complaining about it. (laughs) It's so interesting. Oh, man, we really need this. And why aren't this, why isn't the church doing this? My question to you is why aren't you doing something about it that you're in the church? Plain and simple. It's called church culture. This is how we live. This is the expectation from God, from him to us, is to become solution people, not just people that, come, that talk about things, right? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I feel that the church in general has lost its power, but we have a lot of talk. We got a lot of talk. We can, we can teach discipleship classes. We can do all this kind of stuff, but the fruit is in what's going on. How are we encouraging you and equipping you to take the next step into what God has called you to do? See, the church should be known for its hospitality, love, and power. Amen? But we can't have that and be self-centered and entitled at the same time. And I know this morning I preached to the choir because literally all you guys are awesome, and I mean that. I really do. I'm not just saying that as a blanket statement. I really do love you guys. Because one of the greatest things, one of the greatest testimonies that we hear from this church, two things. Number one, that's the friendliest church I've ever been to. I hope that you were loved this morning. I hope that you felt like you were cared for. And the other second thing that we get the most is, I felt something today. I don't know what I felt. But something, I felt something. The hair stood up, I started crying. Something happened, well that's the presence of Jesus. Why, because it's our mission. Host his presence, transform the city. We're very intentional about hosting his presence. But our church should be known for its hospitality, hospitality, love and power. James, and this is the scripture verse to reference that, James chapter three, verse 11 through 13 says this. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bale olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Now, I know what this is talking about. It's talking about our speech. It's talking about what we think and what we say. I understand that. But if you'll allow me to turn this into the context of what we're talking about, you can't want something and not do something about it at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible to, to say one thing from one side, but not be willing to be the solution for it on the other side. The reason why we say one thing from one side is because God's laying that on your heart to actually do something about it. See if you want a friendly church, what you should you do? Be friendly. (laughs) Don't tell the pastor to be more friendly. No. You be friendly. You want a friendly church? Be friendly. Don't sit in the corner of the of of, of the sanctuary, right? Wearing a don't come and bother me sticker and then say, and then say, we need to be more friendly. No one comes up to me and says, hi. Yeah, because you're going like this to everybody. You want a friendly church? Be friendly. You wanna be you wanna have a connected church? Then be a connector. Be the one who steps out and actually is is building relationships with people, inviting them out for lunch, doing the kinds of things that you want done to you. Be that kind of person to the next person. Amen? Amen. If you want a worshiping church, then be a worshiper. If you want a church that's moving prophetically, then start prophesying. Man, if we can just go, go to that prophetic conference. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. We don't need to go to a prophetic conference when the same God speaks to you and speaks to me right here in Alaska. I know that it's great going other places to get encouragement. I understand that. But let me tell you, we will be the church and we will be the body who will be the encouragement to the region that it needs to see God move. Why? Because we're going to just take a step. That's all. We're just taking steps. We're just taking the next step. We're just taking the next thing. You can choose to be resistant. You can dig your heels in, but I promise you, you will never see the promises of God if you continue to live in a posture where you're resistant to what God is asking you to do. Right. You. We can sing it all day long. Yes, your promises are yes and amen for me. And they are. But not if you're not taking that next step. See, if you want to see miracles, a church that has miracle signs and wonders, then start praying for people. Right here. This is the safest place for you to fail. What if I don't get it right? Ha, you probably won't. But just, don't worry about God. He's not going to be mad at you if you get it wrong. What he cares about most is your obedience. What he cares about most is your obedience. See, be the resolution to the symptom you desire most. Be the resolution to the symptom you desire most. You can start music back there. The worst thing a church can do is think inwardly, especially for mature believers. Especially for mature believers. If you see someone coming to this house that needs a seat, guess what, guys? Move over. Oh, yeah. Don't go like this. Yeah, it? Just seat right next to me open. No, you move over. Be the minister. Be the one who thinks about it. Be the one who's hospitable, who can live in power. You be the one to move over. I know you came in with your kids and they did not want to come to church because they wanted a Big Mac and they wanted wanted toys over there. They do not even serve Big Macs at 8 o'clock in the morning. I get it. I know that you had to come in with them crying and I know there's a you had a sleepless night but be the solution that you want to see happen Making people feel at home isn't the pastor's job It's our job I'm included in that Making people feel at home and having this atmosphere And culture in a church that cares for others enough to change and switch their own comfort is a church that is healthy and will be long-lasting. I hope this morning I'm encouraging in some way, shape, or form. Again, my message is not about condemnation. Please don't take it that way. Because I really do believe that we have that kind of a heart. I I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it. But as the Lord is preparing the harvest... For the harvest of people to come in, he's looking for a body of believers that will just say yes to what he has. That will make room for the sinner. That will make room for the people who do not think the way they think. We've got to, listen to me church, and I'm speaking prophetically, we have to move to the next step. We have to go to the next place. We've got to get to the next place. and I'll say this and then I'm gonna be done. It has to start somewhere, right? And so what I wanna do is I wanna challenge you that for the next five weeks that you don't miss Sunday morning, that you make church attendance a priority because when you're not here, guess what? You don't get to be the minister. When you're not, when you don't make this place and you don't make this house, you don't make worship a priority in your life, then we don't have a right to blame God for something he's not doing in us. I know you got vacations. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying this. I get it. I understand that. And this isn't about church attendance. It's about you making a commitment to say, I will go with the mindset to be the solution to the world around me, to the people that come into this house. And I'm specifically talking about this church. Our church, our church, not Pastor Jake's church, our church, your church, taking ownership to say, this is my place of worship and I will do whatever I can do to make people feel as welcome as they can feel so the way they can experience the presence and the love of God. See, success isn't, isn't having a big building It's not even having a full church. Success is obedience to Jesus. Success is obedience to God, no matter what that obedience looks like, no matter what the outcome of that is. Success isn't having the seats full. Success isn't having that. We see big churches and we go, oh, how successful. They're doing so much for God. I wish our church was like that. Then be the solution to the symptom. We have to learn to look, not for opportunities, but hear the assignments from the Lord. When it comes to church culture, when it comes to this body, when it comes to you being engaged in the life of the church. The whole series isn't gonna be about this. I want you to know that, okay? Next week, I think we're talking about evangelism on Mother's Day, hallelujah. And the week after that, Pastor Steve's gonna be talking about stepping into God's economy, what it means to give. we got some great ones lined up and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it because I want to see you take your next step in whatever area of life that you feel that you need to move into. Opportunities will always present themselves but assignments are spoken to us and opportunities that aren't assignments become distractions in our life. Again? Okay, one more time. Opportunities that aren't assignments become distractions. When we come into this place, and we come into this body, let's not come to how we can be served, but let's come into this house waiting to hear the command, waiting to hear the lion's roar in our ear. How can I minister to somebody? Can I go get that person a cup of coffee? Can I invite them out to lunch? Can I do this? Can I do It's Just something that I can do to minister to my church? Is there something that we can do for that to happen? Let's walk and just take the next step. That's all I'm asking. All I'm asking is listen to God and take the next step. That's all it is. That's all it is. Nothing big, nothing huge. No one's asking to be part of the worship team and wave flags around. No one's asking you to do that, but what we're asking is, is how can you be obedient to the voice of God in your life? Amen. Amen? Father, thanks so much for everything you've done. God, thank you for today. We love you with all of our heart. God, we bless you, we honor you, and we thank you, Jesus. Solidify in our heart, Jesus, the next step. Just the next thing. Especially when it comes to our church body, God, and our church culture in our life, help us, God, to hear the assignment and just take the next step. Just do the next thing, whatever that might be. For some of us, it might be asking somebody for lunch. For some of us, it might be just opening the door. But whatever it is, God, help us to step into that because we want to see the promises fulfilled in our lives, in our hearts. God, we love you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.